1: JRE the reverse and the rookie to rookie action outside the new door he'll get the fly by three on the way and he rattles it
0: in SGA defended closely by Westbrook top step back gets up the shot bakes it in
2: this is Udart you're listening to the uncontested
1: Ooh, what is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast Our proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of S.I. Thunder. Coming to you live February 13th, Super Bowl Day. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I guess not the evening, it is the afternoon. We're recording an (laughs) earlier podcast today. That way um, our hosts can enjoy uh, the Super Bowl and all the festivities. Uh, I am your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Taylor Peterson along with me today.
3: It is indeed Super Bowl Sunday, and I am wearing my Kansas City Chiefs hoodie, but unfortunately, my Chiefs are not playing tonight. So, also, uh, a report came out from ESPN this morning uh, from Schaefer that apparently our longtime offense coordinator, Eric Bieniemy might be gone. And uh, that's not great for Kansas City. Right, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you have a um, – when people listen to this, the Super Bowl will already have happened, but who's your pick? Um,
3: so here's the thing. Even though the Bengals beat us – I'm still rooting for them because it's a pretty cool story. Like them not being in the playoffs for so long and then going all the way to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do like Joe Burrow. I love Chase. So because of that, I'm rooting for the Bengals. But, Jacob, it is literally a like not just like they're playing the Super Bowl in in the same city home court or home field advantage, Um, like sometimes happens in Super Bowls and and other sporting events like the the NCAA National uh Championship. But they literally are playing in the same like they're going to be in the same locker room, (laughs) the Rams. (laughs) Yeah. So I think they're pretty comfortable. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I'd like to see the Bengals win. I think the Rams will win. Uh, Best Super Bowl party food. Ooh. I mean, and and I've told you this before. I'm a huge
3: Buffalo guy. Um, Buffalo wings, Buffalo chicken sandwiches, you name it. If it has Buffalo sauce, I love it. So I'm always the classic uh, Buffalo chicken dip kind of person, but all right. Um, but you can't go wrong with like smoked meats, some barbecue. Yeah, Oh,
1: but ba- barbecue is my love language. Yes. So I yes. am I am totally with you. You make a good smoked brisket too. Oh, thank You're you. You're getting good. Thank you. <laughs> um I, I honestly don't really have a rooting interest. I'm not super invested in the Super Bowl tonight. Um halftime show is gonna be awesome. Yeah. Snoop, yes. Dre, and Kendrick. Uh I hope we get new Kendrick. Oh, Don't tease me! Don't tease me, Taylor. We're getting close, Uh, apparently. And (laughs) that you've been telling me that for like literally sixteen months now. (laughs) So that's like that is fair. Um, Uh, The nerd side of me, the thing that I'm most excited for with the Super Bowl tonight is we get a Lord of the Rings trailer.
3: The Lord of the Rings trailer, yes, yes. So I am am
1: very excited for that. Very Very excited for that. All right, well, Taylor. Let's talk some basketball. A handful of things I want to discuss on the show today, but let's start with last night's game, the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. Actually, both of these teams on a second night of a back-to-back go into Chicago and lose a tight one to the Chicago Bulls 101-106. to uh, pretty entertaining game. The Thunder kept it close throughout. Uh, led for a lot of this game, especially in the first half. I think at one point it was like 8-21 to in the first quarter. Yep. Thunder were burying threes, playing great. Inevitably, the Bulls chip away, chip away. They had a little two-minute run to close the first half. That really got the Bulls back in it. Yep. Second half was highly competitive. Thunder lost the lead. Tried to battle back at the end. Got close but couldn't close the gap, end up losing. Um, Taylor, the first thing I wanted to talk about from this game, uh, and, and I'll let you kind of lead us off here, Lou Dort. Yes. <laughs> 31 yes. points on 8 of 19, 5 of 12 from 3, 10 of 14 from the free throw line, two rebounds and assist to steal. Um, but in a game, the Thunder lost by 6. He was a plus 5, 31 points from Lou. Just what do you think of his game and what he's looked like since... Shay has been gone.
3: Honestly, it's really surprising. Um, and I tweeted this out because I was tweeting from the account last night. Uh, it was a bit like we'll get into just throughout the this entire podcast. Very, very busy week this past week for both us and just the NBA in general. Um, so because of that, we, we took the night off from doing a post game last night. So I just break it down now. But um, one thing I tweeted out was that, you know, it maybe we're we're past the point of worrying so much about Ludwart's fit. And maybe it's time to start wondering: <laughs> Do you focus more on fitting players around guys like Shea, Giddy, and now Lou? Um, and what I mean by that is, like, you know, I've, I've been questioning the fit as much as anybody watching Lou um, the past couple of seasons now, even into this season. And now that like Giddy's shown that he can be a a building block long term for this team, does Lou really fit well with those two? But again, when he's putting up 31 points, being the showing that he can be the main guy with SGA out, it's just really impressive. And Jacob, the thing that I love the most. Um, I, I don't even remember how many free throws he had in the first half. It was not very many. Uh, in fact, maybe zero and still ended up with a career high 14 free throw attempts goes 10 to 14 from the line. When you have a player putting up stats like that, I mean, that's a, that's like stuff we, we see from Shay when, mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's the focal point of the offense, just really, really impressive stuff from Lou, uh, the defensive end of the floor. Again, like he's he's kind of been hit or miss some this season. I think some of that could be chalked up to uh, focusing more on his offensive game, uh, knowing kind of where the Thunder are. Uh, but Demar obviously also went off, but still uh, Lou being able to still be able to compete on the defensive end like he does and putting up these offensive numbers. I just uh, I, I may be rambling a bit just because I'm really excited about Lou and, and what we're seeing from him. I'm curious your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought he was great last night. Um, one thing I noticed was especially late in the game. The Bulls kept running screens to get Lou to switch off of Demar because they didn't want Lou guarding him <laughs> uh, because he's just I wonder such why a not? <laughs> yeah, uh, when you look at the past seven games that Shea has been out, Lou is averaging twenty three point three points a game, forty one point seven percent from the field. Thirty-seven and a half percent from three on over nine attempts a game. That's that's, that's eye opening to me. Huge stat, yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. And then seven free throw attempts a game. I also think is is pretty massive, uh, and seventeen field goal attempts a game. So Lou has been impressive. He's been awesome. Uh, kind of culminated last night in that thirty-one point performance. Just really the focal point of the offense. He gets the ball. He's been attacking like a madman. Really getting downhill. Like I'm, you
3: said, on the second night of a back-to-back, being able to do that, yeah. like even starting the game, just kind of a theme, Um, you know, like you said, both teams coming off the uh, second night of a back-to-back for both teams. And uh, the Thunder <laughs> did not look like it to begin the game. And, yeah. and a lot of that maybe could be chalked up to just like fresh legs, young legs, um, compared to an older Bulls team. But um just really impressive stuff for, like you said, a guy like Lou and some of these other guys we'll get into uh, to be able to do that on the second night of a back-to-back.
1: Definitely. One thing I'm interested... Is Lou is taking a lot of shots. He's handling the ball a lot. He's ISOing a lot and driving to the basket. Um, I'm interested to what this is going to look like when Shay is back. Really and Shay is the guy, and Shay and Giddy are kind of splitting ball handling duties and reps and uh, play, trying to play off of one another and still build that chemistry. How how does Lou settle back in at that point? I think that's gonna be fascinating. I think we've seen a different a little bit of a different style of basketball from this team since Shay has been out. But I also think there's times where the offense looks very similar to when Shay is here. It's just Lou is playing that role. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how Lou reacclimates whenever Shay is back and he is the offensive focal point. I think that's a great point. But the and Lou I- Dort stuff is, is, is really, really interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if our listeners know this. We've talked about it a little bit. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about like money stuff later in the show. But Lou Dort is eligible to get a contract extension starting next month. Um, it's a limited on how much he can extend for uh, starting in, in March. I think it's 3 years, about $12 million a year. Uh, Taylor, I think you and I would both agree that that's probably below market value for him. I'm interested to see if some sort of agreement happens or if they make it to the summer uh where the Thunder can make Lou Dort a restricted free agent and Lou becomes a free agent, but he uh who whatever another team offers, the Thunder can match it. I'm interested if if they would go that route. Um, but we know that that Lou's representation and Sam Presti are having those conversations and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the the Lou Dort extension signing whatever looks like how much money he's going to make how I many years completely. uh how it all plays out that's going to be fascinating i think
3: and you you've said this more than any of us on this podcast and i think it's so spot on um about Presti's track record when it comes to these kinds of extensions, when a player is extension eligible, typically on their rookie scale. Right. But, um, he never lets it get to the point where (laughs) they, they go to restricted or unrestricted free agency. It's either, um, they trade them ahead of time or they try and agree to a deal. Um, I'm looking right now. I want to say, do you remember this off the top of your head? Um, his agency is a Wasserman.
1: Yeah. He's represented by the same guy that I think represents uh, Russell Westbrook
3: Russ and Shay. Um, so I say that – well, sorry, maybe not Shea, but regardless, um, I say all of that because I think that's a – yeah, yeah, it's Wasserman uh, and Fouser. Yeah, and, 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 so and Presti, Presti, and Presti obviously has a very long-lasting relationship, relationship yes. there. Yes. And so, so I, you know I, those I conversations are happening. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: That's so, a, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Very, very fascinating. I would be now – People like to um, to bring up the point, well, Jeremy Grant was in the same situation, and the Thunder let Jeremy Grant go to unrestricted free agency where he could just walk and, and the Thunder would be screwed. But they came to an agreement pretty quickly. The Thunder were also at a different point in um, the competitive landscape at that True. point, and they were at a different point as far as – what their cap sheet looked like. Yes, at, at as that,
3: well at that as spot. Jeremy Grant wasn't the, the Jeremy Grant that everybody was, you know, every NBA team outside the tanking teams were trying to get their hands on this this past week at the deadline. Yeah, it was a
1: different Jeremy Grant as yeah. well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Lou Dort stuff uh, kind of unfolds. Uh, that, that's that's really uh, I think a pretty big storyline for the Thunder moving forward. Uh, next from the game last night, we got to talk about Josh. Yes. Josh Giddey. Second career uh, triple-double. Second career triple-double. He now owns the youngest triple-double ever and the second youngest triple-double ever, which is pretty awesome. Uh, 11 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, only three turnovers, four of 10 from the field, one of two from three. Um, Only 32. Did that in only 32 minutes also,
3: which is really impressive.
1: Uh, Um, Josh just continues to impress, continues to the, the playmaking is special. Uh, the, the scoring at the rim, I think is, is pretty advanced. The floater game is there. Um, I mean, just, just what else can you say about Josh from, from last night and just what he's been doing?
3: I think Sam Vecini wrapped it up pretty well. Um, he was doing his working rankings. He actually bumped Giddy down to six and had Herb Jones five. I and saw the, that. He, and then
1: he was a I, I, I don't. don't yeah, I yeah. agree,
3: and I really, really like Herb Jones, but I, I agree. And, He's and not he better replied, than Josh Giddy. Uh, yeah, right. And Sam replied and said, "Yeah, I have no problem with that." He's like, "Honestly, I just, uh,
1: <laughs> I just did it more to highlight Herb Jones, kind of like." He, he, those I get that. Herb, Herb has good. been playing well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit of recency bias on Sam's part, but right. Josh Giddy is closer to three than six. I agree, one hundred percent.
3: Um, but I, I, mentioned Sam only because I, I thought he had a really good, uh, he had like a little excerpt where he talks about how good Josh has been basically, um, and said, he's essentially a, a reliable jump shot away from being a really special player. And I think that's spot on. Like, can yeah. you imagine if, uh, he only shot two three pointers, but let's say that goes up to like four a game or five a game and he's hitting three. <laughs> like that's, uh, that's, that's really impressive. Uh, yeah. and, and like you said, just the elite court vision, um, just the way he crashes the boards and is able to position himself to get some of those rebounds and then still being able to score. I mean, 11 points on only four, well, t- only 10 shots and only making four of them. It's, it's just really, really impressive stuff from Josh. I, I keep saying this, but um, obviously I've, I have been blown away this season by what he's been able to do so early. Um, but I think maybe collectively as a fan base, um, even just, you know, NBA fans, maybe we need to start talking more about just how high uh, Giddy's ceiling actually is right. Like maybe we've been kind of underselling it a bit.
1: Yeah. He, the, the reliable jump shot thing I think is, is spot on. I've, I say it almost every podcast, the floater, the touch on the floater, the touch and the form on the, the midi pull up, give me so much hope. Um, and belief that he's going to be a good three point shooter. Uh, since Shay has been out, Josh, has Shay been out seven games now or eight games? Oh goodness! Because <laughs> uh, they started that three-game one streak, so I guess it's been eight games. Okay, I was, I was going to say I can look it up, but <laughs> yeah, it's been eight I games. Don't know. It's been eight games. Okay, okay. Um, since he's been out, Josh is averaging fourteen point six points, uh, eight point six rebounds, six point six assists, shooting forty six percent from the field, twenty two percent from three.
3: Twenty two percent from three isn't great, but all those other those other numbers are pretty impressive. Yeah, and okay, I, I'm curious at uh, Jacob, you mentioned, you know, I guess we'll kind of follow a similar format here because I find this interesting as well. You mentioned when we were talking about Lou um, and his recent play and how well he's been playing, how that will change. Will it change when Shay is back in the rotation? I wonder the same thing about Josh Giddey. Um, fair. And I really, really like uh, well how Lou and, and Giddy have been playing off each other, right? And kind of the roles that they've had with Shay being out but I really like Giddy being the main facilitator like he has been. I think he's been doing a really good job of it, and I would even argue the offense looks like as a whole, maybe it runs a little smoother. I would like to see Shea kind of take on the primary scoring role and letting Josh be the main facilitator. Well, obviously, this offense leaves room with all the versatility for Shay to still playmate uh, play as well like we've seen with yep. Lou.
1: And one thing I've noticed a lot about Josh is I think these two things go hand in hand, all right? We know he's an incredible passer, and if you cut to the basket, he is going to find you and hit you with a pass. I think because he has that vision and he understands that, that makes him a good off-ball cutter because he knows where to cut and when to cut. I'm and glad he, you brought that up. He's he does a really lot of off-ball that cutting that looks really, really good, and I can see that being a, a part of the offense moving forward where Shea is isoing and driving and then hitting Josh on cuts. Yes. Uh, Before Shea got injured. We saw that. I forget which game it was, uh, but there was a game where the Thunder were in it late in the fourth and uh, Shea drove and Josh cut off the backside and Shea dropped off a dime to Josh. Shea. Yeah. Shea dropped off a dime to Josh (laughs) for a layup. And um, I'm glad you brought that up.
3: And like so you could let in those situations you could let like what I'm saying, you can let Josh bring up the ball, be the main facilitator, drop it off to Shea, and then you have Josh like typically I've noticed him uh flashing in the lane, like it, it cutting to the basket down the middle of the like going down the uh towards the, the block, like not going um <laughs> not cutting on the corners like at Ken or like we saw with Andre Robertson. Um he's cutting down the middle of the lane, that's what I was trying mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> <laughs> um and I find that really interesting. So I, I agree. I love the idea of of Josh, you know, starting a possession, handing it off to Shay, and then running a little two man game with each of them. It's just a, a lot of options, which is fun.
1: Definitely. Uh Josh coach had mentioned Josh would play around thirty minutes a game moving forward, keep his legs fresh. He knows it's a long season, it's more than more games than Josh has ever played. I think that some I'm of that's so torn maybe, on that. Oh yeah, see some of that's tough motivated, a, yeah. I think.
3: Not to go down like huge rabbit hole just briefly. I'm I'm torn between like, okay, I understand uh, in a season like this, you don't want to just run your 19-year-old into the ground and mm-hmm. maybe that affect his season next season. But like at the same time, he's 19 years old, um, prime athlete. He'll be just fine if you played him yep. closer to four. I, I think
1: some of it's tank motivated I for agree. sure. I agree. Um, two more things I want to talk about from, from this game, Taylor, and, and we can – Package them together because I think packaging them together uh, makes a bit of sense. First, we got to talk about Darius Basley.
3: Yes, Blaine. Seven. Blaine kind of uh, asks, this, I think is going to fit well with what we have in our outline. Bay's phase or legit Bay's? What do we think?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a a great way to put it, Blaine uh bays a little inefficient last night 7 of 21 from the field only 1 of 5 from 3 21 shot attempts for baysley yeah. that's hilarious but 17 <laughs> points 8 rebounds 5 assists 2 steals 3 blocks and maybe the most impressive number to me only zero foul. fouls oh wait uh okay yeah this this sorry ahead. is right one. well no sorry yes
3: has one but One, one foul. Sorry. Zero turnovers, Zero turnovers. turnovers, One, that's also impressive.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, Taylor, you you were tweeting for the uncontested on, on the uncontested account last night. Uh, I was, I dropped a few tweets on my personal account, just on my thoughts of the game. You know, this, you know, this more than anybody, because like (laughs) you and I like text individually about this. Yeah. I've mentioned on the podcast, I've been out on base completely out on base. Um, and then he'll have a little bit of a stretch, and people are like, oh, he looks good. And I'm like, dude, it's Baisley. He'll, yeah. He's going to look good for two or three or four games, and then it's going to be back to the same old, same old. He's going to do way too much. He's going to be very inefficient. He's going to make piss poor decisions. Th- Taylor, the stretch is getting long enough at yes. this point. I'm reluctantly turning into a believer. Yeah, the The defense has been... Very, very good. Very good. And the offense, he's not doing too much. There's time. There's a moment here and there where I'm like, oh, maybe he shouldn't have done that. Uh, maybe he's pressing a little too much. But the driving, especially in transition or like semi-transition, he had a play last night where the Thunder got a turnover. He got a pass uh, up the court, like a kick up up the court, I think from Josh. It was in the first half and the the bulls were getting back to the rim and just hit him with a a Euro (laughs) and then a dunk. And I was like, yes, wow.
3: Like there's not a lot of players in the league that can make that kind of play. Wow.
1: He, he subbed in with about 10 seconds left to go in the first quarter to guard DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan isoed him and went to that classic DeRozan. I'm going to break you down and do that. Like that Kobe mid range pull up. And Bayes just blocked the shit out of it. DeRozan's six foot eight and has that leaner of a jump shot and, and releases so high. One and Bays just got up and swatted. And it. Yeah. yeah. Bays just <laughs> got up and swatted it. Like yep. you see blocks at the rim a lot. You don't see blocks on jump shot. He had he blocked two jump shots last night. That one and a corner three. And it's just like that that doesn't happen. And the corner three one was my favorite because he blocked it. And then that man went you saying bolt like looked at the ground and was just sprinting <laughs> like forest get getting down the damn court. Like, yeah, he plays really, really hard. And so, so the on court production last night, Taylor, I loved. I loved what we saw. Uh he played really, really well. But maybe the most impressive thing to me from Darius Baisley last night, um, was in his post game yes okay i was going to mention that yeah life. you you retweeted it i also retweeted it. uh our guy andrew Schleck had the quote uh, it says it's a gift and a curse i'm really hard on myself i seek to get better i seek to learn but sometimes i can't get myself out of the wrong and can't see the good and to me, that just – that that adds so much context to the Basel yes. story.
3: I was going to say the same – I'm so glad. Yeah, I, I mean we're on the same page. I was about to say the same thing word for word, not to interrupt you. I just uh, – yeah, I'm very much it's, with you. Like It sheds so much insight, and it's very interesting to see him be so self-aware. And like yes. you said, it explains um, the consistency issues that you and I and our entire podcast, all Thunder fans really have been talking about for the past season and a half when he's had this expanded role, when he's not in that refined role, like we saw his rookie season with the Chris Paul team, um, he really has struggled. Um, And like we said, a lot of it's a IQ not really being able to get out of his own head um, as well as just, yeah, kind of struggling with a little more freedom, less structure, I guess. And so I thought that that quote was very insightful Uh, as well as like some of just his attitude of the overall game. Uh, He had another quote and I, I don't have this one pulled up in front of me, but he mentioned, um, you know, but just, I don't really want to, you know, quote, I don't really want to hear the excuses about us being a young team. Like, I, I, we want to start winning these games. Um, A, I thought that was a cool quote and shows, you know, he's kind of taking on a leadership sort of role alongside yeah, Shay and Lou.
1: Not to cut you off, but real quick, that was a, a Nick Gallo question Okay, about yeah. starting the game hot. And Baze's answer, uh, quote, to be honest, I'm not trying to feel good about the first six or eight minutes. I like it. And then he, yeah. Then then he continued on and and
3: basically mentioned like, you know, I I know we're a young team that I don't like that using as an, as an excuse, but you could just, again, like just his overall, it's cool to see him have this maturity. Um, but I thought all of it was insightful just to see him kind of be in that mood after the game. Um, like we see that on the court as well. He kind of gets in these funks on the court and that affects his play uh, when he misses a shot or when he's you know going through a tough stretch. And so it, I agree. I think last night sh- uh, just provided a lot of insight into who Baisley is as a person and how that affects him um, as a player and not his on-court production. But regardless, I, I love the consistency we're seeing. I love that he's learning to channel that maybe a little better uh, and, and using that, you know not letting that affect his on-court production quite as much. And then there's another quote post-game. I know we keep talking about post-game quotes, but this one is from Coach Dignall. And uh, he mentioned on Baisley, uh, this is from Clemente, uh, who tweeted this out, but I'm, I'm not sure who asked the question. But Mark said, when he, being Bayes, came into the NBA, he was very green and he's quickly, uh, and he has quickly gravitated towards fundamentals. He's a, pr- a perfectionist. He wants to get it right. That's why it's so easy to bet on him. And see, we keep talking about these quotes sh- uh, shedding some insight, um, you know, like Baisley's quotes shedding insight on him. I thought it shed a lot of insight um on why, like, you know, you and I were questioning earlier in this season, why is Dagnalt so hellbent on playing Baisley? Yeah. Uh, you know, why is he starting him all these times? Why isn't he putting it, and that's kind of why?
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you the the coaching staff and the front office are very aligned. And I'm sure Sam Presti would say the same types of things about Baisley. Taylor, I think whenever Post-All-Star break, if Shea comes back, I think Baisley's earned his starting spot back. I agree. I agree completely. He's I, played really, really well. Like,
3: and not just the starting spot. I, I kind of liked what uh, Nick said either last night or the the it was a back-to-back. So maybe he said it in our Slack the night before. But he said, uh, I think that this this Baisley is extension. Yeah, I think you extend him. And I think Nick's
1: yeah. exactly right there. I don't think he gets a lot of money. But yeah, no, I think no, right, he, right. he can. And he's, again, I don't think he's a starter. I think in a perfect world, you get Chet or Jabari and, and basically playing off your bench, but he, he deserves his flowers. He's played really well. Absolutely. He's played really well. I've been very impressed with, with Bay's. Um, and, and those quotes last night make me feel good about him continuing to grow and continuing to get better. That,
0: The defensive versatility,
1: we're we're still going on about Baisley, which is amazing. (laughs) He started the game last night guarding Kobe White. Who would have thought? Yeah. Not me. (laughs) He started the game last night guarding Kobe White. He ended the game guarding Nikola Vucevic. You know, I mean, that that defensive versatility. And he said that tomorrow, Monday night, he hopes that he gets the Julius Randle assignment. Love it. You know, and and, yeah, his... He's very dedicated on that end. You love to see it. So, along those same lines, uh, a big, long thunder wing um, who has been maligned and and struggled and been up and down and more consistent um, as of late, and been more consistent <laughs> as of late. Let's talk about my lord and savior. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the Poku. Let's say last night. Uh, only got fifteen minutes. Was two of five from the field. One of two from three. Um, had a couple of free throws, seven points, four rebounds, uh, three blocks, uh, but he did have two turnovers and I, w- I will say this just
3: really quick. Like as a disclaimer, um, Poku got off to another really hot start. I think we would have seen another big game from him. Um, on that second, night of a back to back, obviously two games ago, Justin broke that down, did a really good job talking about how good Poku was and how that recent stretch kind of, um, I don't want to say peaked, but kind of led, uh, kind of built towards his performance, uh, I guess two games ago now. I think he was on track to have another
1: kind of similar kind of game, but my man Poku got pokued in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he had a play last night before that happened where they were playing him at center against former Thunder great Tony Bradley. And <laughs> Poku Thunder got an <laughs> offensive rebound, was on the baseline, and uh, gave a look off behind the back, like on the money pass to Aaron <laughs> Wiggins, who we'll talk about in a second as well. Yeah. Um, and that just... The players, um, the coaching staff have said that he's been more aggressive. Uh, he's been competing harder. This is something that worries me a little bit about Poku is we've heard Coach Dagnall talk a lot about how they need him to compete. They basically want him to be a dog, and he hasn't been a dog, and that's why he's been getting G League assignments. Try to get him to to be an animal, right? To to, to have that competitiveness of like Darius Baisley, of Lou Dort, um, it worries me that that the coaching staff is worried he hasn't had that. But it also is encouraging that they say since he's been back from that G League assignment, he's been showing a lot of that. Now, he has played four games, Taylor. In those four games, he is averaging 25 minutes, 13 points on 62% shooting from the field and 50% from three. Small well, sample size, yeah. small sample size, six rebounds, one and a half assists, one steal, one and a half blocks. And the jumper has looked nice. It's looked really
3: nice. He He's getting some more some more arc on it, which is really important. Uh, very he similar to a- Giddy in a sense yeah. that like it, it's all about legs for those two. Um, mm-hmm. They're both longer guys. Uh, they they've got to get more legs into that shot and then there's some other small things like i know last week i mentioned
1: uh mike i love the way he shoots it whenever at at the release point his body looks like a, a capital c like a c <laughs> yeah his and, legs are out his he's arms
3: been less of that recently which is why his shots looking yeah. better
1: yeah um, but it's still
3: there it's still there which is amazing
1: <laughs> he's had was it i the, the games start to run together for me was it the Philly game or was it last night where he got the rebound and just pushed in transition and picked up the ball at the the three point line and took the two steps and had like the super go I go mean, gadget arm finger? I believe roll? Believe
3: that was Philly because okay. I didn't get to watch Friday night's game. Um, but I I so I just do what I typically do when I don't get to watch and go straight to the the either our account and then the uh, the Thunder account and to look at all the highlights and that was one mm-hmm. of them. It was the one where he kind of went to the the center of the court and just kind of laid it up over. It was a really good defender. I can't. Remember. It might have been an Embiid or somebody like that. Yeah. Um, But I agree. He's just a more aggressive Poku. It's been really, really good to see, and just kind of like Bazley, um, seeing him find success within the flow of the offense. Not trying to do too much. Not mm-hmm. trying to uh, do too many Poku behind the back passes, but still being able to play, yeah, um, a little more freely.
1: Just and, and the aggressive of the doesn't mean like getting the ball and isoing and, and going hard at the basket. Aggressive just means. He's playing it looks like he's score. playing with more passion. Yeah,
3: right. right? Yeah, and looking and to score and one going after loose
1: balls and yeah. timing blocks perfect. Like one
3: thing things. he
1: needs to work on um something I notice a lot is whenever he closes out to shooters he just gets blown completely by. Uh, this is something that I remember Chris Paul talking about a lot with Darius Baisley um and Paul George talking about uh as well is the idea of choppy feet. Whenever you close out hard to those shooters, um, you can't take big strides. You have to take short, choppy steps. That way you can adjust and and change your direction quicker. Uh, Poku does not do that. Hopefully that's something he can grow. And he, he's got a lot of growing to do, especially defensively. Yes. Right. Um, but you love what you've seen from him lately. Uh, and I hope we he is a mainstay in the rotation, granted, he earns those minutes for yes, the rest of the
3: season. Right, right. You, I agree. Um, You don't want him just getting the minutes kind of like he did at the end of the season last season where he kind of got a little out of control mm-hmm. uh, these minutes that he's getting where, where he's contributing. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. With a guy like Poku, you mentioned that, like chopping your feet, the, the footwork, uh, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. A long, lanky guy like Poku, you see that, all, it, you don't see Poku's all the time, but with bigger guys like that, uh, some of the small stuff, it takes a while to come along. Uh, compared to some of the smaller skill guys, and so I, I'm with you. Like, if he can continue to ref- make the, you know, continue to refine his game and those kinds of ways, as young as he is, um, hopefully we start to see a, a much more productive Poku in the coming season and, and the season yeah. after that.
1: I, I think next season is pivotal for Poku, his third year, just like it's been piv- pivotal for Bailey. I think next season is pivotal for Poku as well. All right, well, that's enough of that that Chicago Bulls game. The Thunder have, I believe, two more games before the All-Star break. They will play the New York Knicks, Valentine's Day night. And then on Wednesday, which would be the 16th, they play... Oh, dang it. I, uh, I saw this last night. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of
3: my head. I can't either. I can pull it up pretty quickly. Um, here it is, Spurs. Spurs Spurs. Back home. so they
1: get a one home Spurs game with, really uh, against All Star Dejounte Murray, who's been really good, really good, yep. really good. All right. Well, some other news came across over the past couple of days, Taylor, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, first one, the Thunder had made that trade with Miami and acquired KZ Okpala. Uh, he got waived. Um, this is what I expected. Yep. Uh, we we can talk. Let, let, let's announce all of the all, all, all of the moves, and then we'll talk about kind of our reaction. So they waive cool. KZ Okpala, which opened up a roster spot. Next day, that roster spot gets filled by Aaron Wiggins. This is something I think a lot of us kind of expected uh, moving forward, and we're rooting for. It. <laughs> yes, uh, Aaron Wiggins got. Uh, Bumped up from his two-way contract to a a full MBA contract. Uh, Joe Massado of the Oklahoman here with the with the info per Wiggins' agent Austin Walton. Uh, Wiggins will receive one million this year plus what he's already made. Next year is fully guaranteed. Year three uh, is a non-guaranteed year, and then year four is a team option year. Okay, so basically, he got the Lou Dort special. Exactly. I would say the numbers might not be
3: exact, but it's the exact same contract structure.
1: Yes, and I mentioned it on Twitter. So in order for the Thunder to complete the KZ Okpala trade with the Miami Heat, they had to open up a roster spot because they were taking a player in without sending one out. And the final roster spot on the OKC Thunder was currently being um, held by a 10-day contract of Mamadi Diakite. So the Thunder waived Diakite, brought on KZ Okpala, Waved KZ Okpala, bumped up Aaron Wiggins, so Aaron Wiggins is now on the fifteen man roster, and there is now a two way spot opened yep. up. One of those two way spots held by Lindy Waters the uh, third, Oklahoma State guy. I read a really good story about Lindy yeah, Waters. Very ESPN interesting. Really um, cool. Yeah, that ESPN article. That means the Thunder have a two way spot open and available. Taylor, I. I'll be shocked if it doesn't go to Diakite.
3: I'm with you. I expect that you. whenever
1: they get back from the all-star break, by the time they get back from the all-star break, that that spot is held by Mamadi Diakite.
3: And I love that. And we know mm-hmm. the Thunder were interested in him, um, right? Because he he was going through training camp with the Thunder. Had Until a very untimely, untimely hip injury, um, mm-hmm. but it was really great. Uh, even with not being with a NBA team and being able to rehab, uh, came back healthy and it, it's, it's been cool to see. I, I'm with you. I think yeah. he'll get a
1: get that I think he'll spot. get that other two way spot. And
3: that, uh, because of COVID and everything else, uh two way players are, are able, there's no limit on regular season games that so they can play with. Exactly. Teams. So I think a playoff
1: team, so, I think it. he will get bumped up <laughs> um, to that two way spot. That would make a lot of sense to me. Um, just because the way they've been going about another guy that I think is a candidate, but I think like probably a distant second to Diakite, um, OKC blues, DJ Wilson
2: dj's yeah. been having yeah a really i agree good, he's been playing really well really good G like League you said season. maybe
3: a little redundant with diakite but he's been playing really well mm-hmm. um and not to take us down rabbit hole i know we want to get back to aaron wiggins but um like you said that the the waters thing is really cool i would not be especially the way he's been used by dignault um almost like he's throwing him in there just for the experience kind of th- I, I hate to say that but it just yeah. i'm getting that feeling from it i wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, his two way is is if, if he's waived essentially here in a couple weeks, you know, maybe even and maybe, uh, maybe DJ gets break. that spot and then DJ gets right. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Again, also say that as
3: somebody who really rooting for waters. I just uh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they kind of use that. There's also a, an
1: overload at that guard position, reward,
3: like almost rewarding a hometown kid kind of thing. And I wonder if we'll see, yeah, like somebody else get rewarded um, kind of like Rob Edwards last season is, mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. So um, let's talk about the Casey up, Paula trade a little bit. I had touched on it on a post game pod, Uh, earlier this week. It's nothing uh, super exciting. I think Thunder fans probably understand the motivations of this trade right now. Taylor has bailed on me. Oh, he's back. He's back.
0: Um. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: But this trade was with the Miami Heat was never about getting KZ Icapala. Uh, From the Thunder's perspective, that trade was all about asset management. Yes. And I think the best way I can describe what the Thunder did in the TLDR version is they didn't add to their quantity of picks. They actually lost a pick in this trade. They sent out a second rounder, although it's like a very inconsequential second rounder. Yeah. They bettered the quality of Exactly. They and,
3: they kicked a pick further down the road, which gives it a better chance of being better, and, and then it has they less also have protections a, on and it. less protections, right? So and, which also
1: allows it to potentially be better. the The odds of it being a a pretty good pick from Miami has gone up because you're getting it later when Miami's guys have aged out. I think that season that that pick conveys Jimmy Butler will be making like fifty million dollars, and he'll be older. And we've seen mm-hmm. him kind of have Kyle some Curry injuries. He will the past be retired. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I, the, the hope is that Miami will have a down year, um, but you better the odds because you, you give that pick less time, um, where it's protected, where you could get it if it was bad. And you, you are banking on, uh, just hopefully hitting, hitting gold with it. You need, you need Miami to miss the playoffs for two years in order to get a good pick instead of needing them to miss the playoffs four years to get a good pick. Very good point. That's the uh the, the TLDR. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the TLDR of that. I like it. Um and then Wiggins, I mean, shout out to Wiggins, he's been great. He he's played just fine. Is he ever going to be more than a a bench player? Taylor? Uh probably not.
3: <laughs> like again, eh. You never really want to put caps on some of these guys, Um, but a guy like Wiggins, he's older, right? Like four years older than Giddy, which was hilarious when Giddy in his post-games, speaking of post-games last night, uh, he was Uh, asked about Wiggins. Called him kid. Called him kid
1: twice. That's funny. Um, (laughs) Good kid. Let me ask you this. That contract's for four years? Yep. Does he see the end of that contract in OKC?
3: I think he will be playing in the league by the end of that contract. I and I say it that way because uh, I'm not sure he'll be with the team. I think he he could be a I good. Think
1: I don't think trade candidate. But do you I think, think he's he, a, probably a trade candidate, a throw-in piece. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah there's that's, a reason why they right. left those last two, last two years very open. Right, in um, the
3: same way they did with Lou. But it's just you know it, Wiggins is a very good good two way guy. It was a great find at what pick 55, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and Lou being undrafted, but it's like hitting on a guy like a Lou Dort and seeing him develop kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Lou, um, seeing him develop and what he's already developed into just very, very rare. Um, yeah. and, and I just don't know if Wiggins can, can that by you, any you typically
1: means. don't strike gold twice.
3: Right. But I think he can be a, a solid two way wing for an NBA team and, in a mm-hmm. rotation, but like you said, probably not a long-term a starter under have and, too um, many
1: picks. They have to rotate too many yeah, guys out.
3: And that's a, that's a great point too. That, that leaves much less, Availability for a guy like Wiggins yep. with the Thunder.
1: Okay, so we've covered the Aaron Wiggins signing, um, the open two-way spot, the waving of KZ Paula. Now, Taylor, one thing I wanted to do, and this was actually requested by us this week for the show. Cool. Uh, I think sometimes we we have day jobs. But our second day job is basically covering this team, right? Yeah. We pour a lot of time into this. We're super it's invested. It's like a really
3: passionate hobby. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and we are very, very deep into the weeds with this stuff. And I think sometimes um, we – what's the phrase? We miss the trees because of the forest. Yeah. Right? I, I think we're we're maybe too deep into it sometimes, and we just talk about stuff that – Seems normal to us, but to some of our more casual listeners, uh, maybe not in a bad yeah, way. Yes, <laughs> but, but people that just don't devote hours and hours yeah, of right, hours right. of time, yeah, to understanding this team in the league, <laughs> that uh, that they kind of think like, what does that mean? What and, and it kind of goes right. over their head. So I wanted to, to take a step back and, and get out of the weeds and, and look at the Thunder's cap sheet from like thirty thousand feet. Right. And give people like a a, like a, a, a more basic understanding. Because one question I've been asked from from people that are close to me, people on Twitter, is like, why was that idea of the Thunder taking on Tobias Harris's contract um, for assets? Why was that? Why did everybody poo poo that idea? Why why did everybody crap on that idea? Um, and, and for me, I, I know why. But I think for people that aren't, you know, super nerds breaking down NBA (laughs) cap sheets like you and I. Right. It's it's harder to understand. Right. And so And
3: it's taken even us, like we're by no means experts. Like we've relied on guys like Keith Smith, who's been on the podcast, John Ham, who who's a Thunder fan, covers the team as well. Um um, and has been on our podcast. So we've relied on guys like that to kind of help us with some of the intricacies of the C B A.
1: Definitely. So, I just wanted to cov- take a few minutes to cover a few things um, about the cap. So, first off, a lot of people are hearing that the Thunder are um, below the salary floor. So, what that means is the NBA has a salary cap, right? You're not allowed to spend over it. People blow past over it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a whole another story. But the salary floor is a minimum that you have to spend. Uh, thunder are about 23 million below that right now. Uh, I believe they have to the end of the NBA's fiscal year, which is June 31st, uh, to get to that floor. So they could still sign another guy, uh, make a trade at the at the draft, cool, bring in deck some money. New. Exactly. <laughs> if they don't hit that salary floor, the ownership still has to pay out money equal to the salary floor. And what happens is that that extra money gets evenly distributed. Amongst the players, unless a player is making a max contract, then they cannot make over a max. So basically, it's like a one-time bonus. Um, we heard Richard Jefferson on the on the jump the other day mention I this. I an apology.
3: I jumped the gun before he. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking he was going to poo the Thunder, and he was yes. like, "Hey, this is really cool. They're gonna we're, we're
1: we're a little too used to that." <laughs> but so guys like Lou Dort, Darius Basley, like say Pokushesky, Josh Giddy, all the guys that aren't making maxes. I mean, shit, even Shay, because Shay's max hasn't kicked in yet. They're all gonna get a bonus. And if it stays at the 23 million, the bonus is gonna be about 1.5 mil per player. That's cool. Pretty nice bonus.
3: Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, I'd take that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Pretty nice bonus. Um now next year, the Thunder still don't have a lot of money dedicated to to the cap sheet. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander's max contract extension kicks in next summer. Uh, so they owe Shea a lot. Uh, they will still owe Josh Giddy, or sorry, not Josh Giddy, Derek Favors $10 million. Shea will be making 29 mil next season. It's a lot of money. That is a lot of uh, money. Good but but the, the big one, the big one for next season is the Thunder are going to owe Kemba Walker, who is not currently on the team and won't be on the team, $27 million
3: next year due to them uh, coming to a buyout agreement uh, with him in this season, which mm-hmm. then allowed him to go be a free agent and sign with the New York Knicks. On a new yes. contract,
1: so they will owe Kemba twenty seven million next season. That's a, of That's a ton of money. It's a ton of money. But the summer after that, the summer of twenty twenty three, that that Kemba money drops off the books. Derek Favors money drops off the books. Now you might have extensions. My dog is freaking out. I apologize. Mando. <laughs> Um, guys like Darius Baisley, uh, Ty Jerome, um, Lou Dort, Kenny Williams, all these guys will have new contracts by that point if they're still with the Thunder. The Thunder will have hopefully high draft picks that have joined this team that make a lot of money. But you are shedding uh, nearly $40 million in salary by getting Derek Favors and Kimball Walker off the books in 2023. Uh, and so the Thunder their cap sheet is very, very clean at that point. And the reason why that is so important, Taylor, is because if you do not have a lot of money committed and you have a lot of young guys, basically you have flexibility. I I, I think maybe a good analogy is um, uh, you're 12 years old and your mom gives you a $100 bill and sends you to the mall and says, you can spend it on whatever you want. But... If you already um uh, bought pizza earlier in the week, your mom takes away fifteen of that, and then um you you bought all those new skins for Fortnite. i'm <laughs> I'm trying to think as a twelve year old here uh, your mom takes away another ten bucks yeah, um and then you uh, I don't know, you had your friend spend the night and he rented a movie on Amazon Prime, and your mom there takes you go. away another That's five good. bucks. Uh, and then you didn't want to eat spaghetti, so you had Mom buy Taco Bell, and she takes <laughs> away another ten bucks. You're now down to like sixty bucks to spend at the mall instead of your one hundred, right? Where if you didn't commit to all those things earlier in the week, you got that crisp one hundred dollars bill you can go out and spend whatever on. And right. you can be very flexible. Ooh, I have a hundred bucks. I want to. Uh, go all of a sudden, these new shoes just dropped
3: that I wasn't expecting. I can go buy these new shoes where I wouldn't have been able to if I exactly. spent all my money on Taco Bell and Amazon Prime.
1: Exactly. I,
3: I, that's a really good analogy. That,
1: that's yeah, fun. Now, I like that. now, Tobias Harris would have been like buying a new Xbox or a yeah. new PS5 earlier in the week, and mom just keeps all $100.
3: like a, a new in the terms of like, a, you know, it's it's new out of the box, but like, there's a good chance a, a Xbox, you know, they're on the Xbox one. Uh, There was a three hundred and sixty dollars Xbox one. So let's say that the Xbox 1.5 is coming out uh, next year. And you know, now you can't get that because you got the, this brand new Xbox one. Exactly. So like, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of fans are like, you know, well, if you have the the cap space, that's to, uh, to be able to recruit free agents in the summer. That's not the case with a small franchise like, Okay. See. So then I have people like you said, um, some more casual fans like coworkers and stuff ask me. then, well, then why do we need that cap space? And I said, well, (laughs) as a small market, market team, like, uh, Sam pressing the thunder, they find ways to take advantage of that by taking on some bigger contracts, um, in in order for assets. Now, to your point, if you take on a huge bloated contract, like Tobias, that doesn't allow you any wiggle room. So you may get some really good assets from that. Like they, Maury would have had to make that overwhelmingly, um, worth it for the Thunder in terms of draft picks and assets mm-hmm. um, because that would long-term hinder your ability to take on some of those opportunities, signing guys like Lou Dortz to, to new contracts, uh, etc.
1: Exactly. And it's having that extra space is also valuable in trades, right? Yes. Good point. What if What if a team decided, hey, we want to trade this guy who doesn't want to be here anymore that's making $30 million, but we want to clean our cap sheet up for the future. So we don't want to take a lot of money back we just want you know a player that makes five million and a handful of draft picks right well if your cap sheet is is free and open and you have a lot of cap space you don't have to be equitable in trades as far as money is concerned you yes. don't have to match money great point point. And, and even so, just like like speaking of casual
3: sorry sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no there. you're fine uh just like a, in terms of <laughs> speaking of casual uh, nba fans uh, let's just use the casual example of The Thunder should go and trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Well, let's say that Carl Anthony Towns uh, here two seasons from now says, you know what, this whole Anthony Edwards is good, but he's not good enough, uh, or that the team isn't good enough outside of him. I do want out. And you know what? I want to go play with my buddy SGA from Kentucky. I don't even think Mm -hmm. we played together in Kentucky, but. No, they did not. uh, (laughs) But in in that case, like uh, just using easy numbers here let's say that the wolves say okay we want two unprotected first round picks it'd be more than that i know but we want two unprotected first round picks for carl anthony towns or um you guys can take carl anthony towns as well as fill in the blank player salary to get that off our books and we'll only make you give us one first round pick in return
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know again that's just a very extreme example but or they say use the we want to
1: trade we'll trade you carl anthony towns for two f- unprotected first round picks but we don't want to take back a whole lot of money. That's going to keep our our cap sheet locked up for another two or three years. The Thunder can say, "Hey, we have forty million dollars in space. We can just take him without sending you anything yes, back good if point. you want." Good point. You know, and so it just it provides a ton of flexibility. On and top of that, we saw
3: you know now going back to Kevin Durant, um, we all know the 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 story of Kevin Durant being able to go and join a super team like the Warriors because of the new CBA um, and, and the – was it the TV deal that came into effect mm-hmm. that season? A new TV deal and new CBA will be agreed upon, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Jacob, on the on the details. Um, but is it after the 2022 season?
1: Yes, it's the start of the 2023 season. They'll have a new collective bargaining agreement. So
3: you want to be last, able to have a full – yeah.
1: The last time a new collective Dude. bargaining agreement came around, like you mentioned, the Thunder got screwed. Exactly. The Thunder got absolutely screwed. So they want to have everything as clean as possible. So when the summer of 2023 hits and the new collective bargaining agreement comes in and a new salary cap that's probably incredibly inflated comes in, they have a blank canvas to draw on. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's, kind of the, the that's kind of the whole picture, idea. Yeah. Yep. So – Hopefully, well, well done. That was yeah. Hopefully, we explained that well. Ho- and if if anybody has any questions, we're not experts, but we would love to try to answer them for you. So you can always hit up Taylor and I on any social media channels. Um, we we would we would love to to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, that was uh, that was just fun for me to talk through. I enjoyed. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And I think talking through it also gives you and I more perspective. Right. Absolutely,
3: Taylor. Before Cal- we get Carl here, Carl Anthony Towns to the Thunder. You you heard it here first. <laughs>
1: That's it. <laughs> Taylor, before we get out of here, you know we got to do a tank update.
0: Loser! You're a loser!
1: And that means
0: that the number one pick in NBA draft goes to...
1: All right, so this past week, the Thunder went 0-3. They are currently at 17-39 and on the season. Puts them at the fourth best lottery odds. They're fourth in the reverse standings. They are one and a half games behind Houston. Houston is at 15 and 40. So the Thunder do have two more wins than Houston. And then there are a full five games behind both Detroit and Orlando. Um, Detroit's played two less games than Orlando. Uh, Detroit has 12 wins. Orlando has 13. The Thunder have 17. Uh, Taylor, I ask you guys this every week. I'm going to ask you again. Is one and two out of reach?
3: I think one and two are out of reach. I think three is a little more feasible than we maybe would have thought uh, prior to S.J.'s injury. Maybe that's a good time frame there. Um, it, it's a little more obtainable now, but I still strongly feel that the Thunder ultimately will find themselves in that fourth spot. Now, just on the topic of tanking, we mentioned things like you know Josh Giddey's minute, lim- uh, minute limit earlier, the thirty-minute limit, and uh, some of those. I don't want to say excuses, but like, and then also I, I wouldn't be surprised if. Shay will come back. He'll play in some games, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him. Don't see him every single game to finish mm-hmm. out the season. I think that's fair. I really think, just the impression I'm getting from the franchise, from Sam Presti, from Mark Dignall, who, like you said, are very always very aligned. I kind of think they are trying to tank as hard as possible here because I think they're starting to see the the, the reality, and that what they're building here is, is starting to bear some fruit maybe not the best route that they're hoping at bears ulti- ultimately long-term. But um, what I mean by that is I think it's going to become harder and harder to get top talent uh, starting with next season when guys like Giddy are taking a step forward, hopefully, and um, you know Shea on his, his new deal, Lou getting a new deal, et cetera, et cetera, um, and whoever you bring in this draft. So all that to say, I think they are trying to tank very hard the rest of this season to get that kind of draft pick that they're hoping for.
1: I totally agree. So Taylor, besides the teams that are ahead of the Thunder in the tank standings, which I agree with you, I think getting to three is the best case scenario. Um, I think the trade deadline actually helped the Thunder maybe get to three because Eric Gordon, True. Christian Wood, did not get traded. Um, the now they the did kind of got the Houston. Be Houston better. traded <laughs> Daniel Tice. He wasn't really playing anyways. But I wanted to ask which teams now after the trade deadline are entering the tank chat which, which teams do the the thunder need to like actively be worried about because right. the tank is going to become a little more serious for those teams
3: so you asked a very similar question uh which i like i, I like this a lot uh, for our trade deadline preview that we did and and asked us to predict this team and now obviously Hindsight 2020, seeing the moves that were made, you know, I, I think I said I thought the Pacers would be one of those teams after trading Karis Levert and looking kind, of, you know, on they traded Sabonis. If you would have told me that uh, during that that preview that we did, um, I would have said absolutely, Pacers are a team to look out for. But somehow or another, they kind of got, if not better, they're they're still competitive because of Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. Buddy Hill, some of these guys that they brought in. So the team with the Thunder and the Pelicans also got better, kind of like we predicted. But they end up with CJ McCollum. So the team that I think the Thunder really need to be worried about in the standings uh, would be the Port and Trailblazers, who were off to a pretty rough start and now have gone full, um, whatever we want to call us, the, the gap year tank, the the Warriors uh, injury tank. With mm-hmm. Dane being hurt, You know they are trying to take tank as hard as possible right now. So that they can hopefully get a very good draft pick to either use as an asset to acquire a star player alongside Dane, or if that doesn't work out, obviously, to maybe draft a new cornerstone uh, for them. So Blazers are probably my answer to that. I'm trying to think of anybody else. I think the Blazers are a good answer.
1: Uh, Sacramento, I think, has moved out of that argument. Yep, good point. Um, New Orleans, I think, has moved out of that argument. I Um, like the point
3: about the Rockets maintaining mm -hmm. their two guys. Indiana is still
1: a team that scares me. Yeah. Uh, Portland's definitely entering the tank chat. Washington is entering the tank chat. The good good news though, is that Portland has won 23 games. The thunder have won 17. It's a five and a half game difference between those two. That's a lot of games to catch up over the last 25 games of the season. That helps. Honestly, I don't see that happening. Uh, Washington, even more so Uh, Washington has won 25 games. They've won eight more games than the thunder. I don't see them catching the thunder in the standings, even though they're going to suck.
3: Yep. Very good point. Uh, Is a sneaky too, tank. I forgot about them.
1: I mean, they're, they're not going to tank and like stop playing to, to win games because they don't own their own pick. Lakers making me a oh, little worried. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, Alex Spears of down to dunk was kind of, uh, uh, was talking with you and I on Twitter last night during the game about that. Don't own their pick a good point by him. I completely forgot about that either way. Uh, it, it's conveyed either to Memphis or who? Oh, the Pelicans, um, for AD trade. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, pretty wild. It, it's an absolute mess over there in Lakerland.
1: So the Thunder also own the Los Angeles Clippers pick. Uh, that pick is currently slated to be pick number fifteen. The Clippers are uh, eighth in the Western Conference, uh, so they would be in the play-in tournament, but they would have to lose twice to not not be in the playoffs and fall to the lottery. So, Taylor, the Thunder want the the Clippers to at least, like at the very, not least, at the very best, be ninth in the West because of their ninth or tenth and in that play-in spot, one loss bumps them out of the play-in and they're done. So, I'm going to list off a uh, a list of teams and okay. tell you how I, far they're behind the Clippers. I
3: just pulled up the the standings.
1: Okay. I want you <laughs> to tell me which team is going to uh, – do you think has the best chance to jump ahead of the Clippers? So right behind them are the Lakers. The Lakers are behind um, a game and a half. Uh, Clippers have two more wins than the Lakers. The Portland Trailblazers are four and a half games behind the Clippers. The Pelicans are five games behind. The Spurs are five and a half games behind, and the Kings are six games behind.
3: Uh, Spurs are a team I forgot to mention when when, uh, when we were talking about competing teams for the tank. Uh, they're just going to continue to do what they've been doing. You know, uh, Murray's playing so well. Yeah, uh, the loss Johnson's of Derek playing White's well. It's going to
1: hurt a little bit. But lost but... Derek
3: White, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, to answer your question, Wh- I think- which which team could jump them before the end of the season? I'd have to say the Lakers, uh, again, only one game loss difference there, at least, mm-hmm. um, I guess a, a game and a half, if you, if just cause they, they played less games than the Clippers. But when you have LeBron James, also they are getting Kendrick Nunn back. Like the Lakers are going to figure out to an extent, uh, it, it just might not, again, I, I don't see them <laughs> making the championship. Like we were predicting preseason, but they'll figure it out to an extent. They'll get Kendrick Nunn healthy, hopefully. I could see the Lakers making that push. And then another team that's going to try their hardest is a team we mentioned in the Pelicans. Now with CJ McCollum, especially if Zion comes back and he looks healthy and in shape. We'll see about that.
1: Yeah, But I would say the Lakers diff. and the Pelicans. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Portland's going to drop. Uh, New Orleans is going to climb. It's going to be interesting to see who gets that 10th spot in the West. Um, but I'm with you. I think if you ask me right now, I think the the best chance For that, that Clippers pick for OKC is that the Clippers only dropped to nine. I can't see them dropping any lower than nine. True. And then you just got to hope that whoever they play in the play in uh, beats them and knocks them out. Very true. (laughs) Right. And you got to hope that that Paul George, uh, it sounds like Kawhi Leonard is not going to play this season. It sounds like their coach is going to already mailed that in. But you got to hope that Paul George uh, sits the season out as well. Um, even if that's pick number 14 and the odds are only like a 0.5% chance of jumping up, um, you still take pick number 14. You want, you want that pick in the lottery, right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. Um, definitely a candidate to look ahead, uh, or looking ahead to, to be packaged in, in terms of consolidating and, and trying to move up in the draft. That definitely.
1: Definitely. I, I could see.
3: Of, we gave uh, Darius Bazley his flowers, uh, just really quick don't need to like go into it or anything but tyloo you mentioned the clippers coach Can give him some flower his flowers yep. as well really yeah and stuff. they
1: they made a trade to make their team better at the deadline and then they also shipped off uh
2: sergi baka
1: which i don't think that hurts them too awful much because serge hasn't played a whole yep. lot so kind of like it for the bucks yeah yeah if if serge can play and be serge it could work out really well so uh, Taylor, anything else before we get out of here? This was a, a we didn't hitting around the association. This was a thunder centric pod. Um, we'll have a chance to talk some league wide stuff over the All Star break whenever there's no games. So good
3: point, good point. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Very busy week this past week. Um, mm-hmm. About to head into the All Star break. Josh giddy we'll, we'll we'll see some Josh Giddy, even if he's not an yes. All Star game. That'll, that's nice that there will be some Thunder representation.
1: H- hit me oh with a prediction. prediction. Or, uh, hit me with a prediction right now. Injury. Is Shea playing the first game back from the All-Star break? He looks yes. healthy.
3: I think, yeah, that, that I think so. Uh, okay. He does seem healthy. Not wearing a boot or anything like that. Yep. I think
1: he... I think they were very, very, very cautious. <laughs> <with> <laughs> that they angle. said post-All-Star break. Yeah, he might be able to play right now. Well, that's now. the post-game music. We don't want that. Hey, I like it. <laughs> there it is. Hey, thank you guys so much for hopping on. We had a lot of people in the YouTube stream today for an early show. So, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you jumping on the live stream. If you listen to this on your podcast platform of choice, thanks so much. Make sure you subscribe. Also, go sub on YouTube as well and come hang out with us and watch every post game and Sunday nights, typically at 9 p.m. We'll be back with you guys again Valentine's Day night as the Thunder take on the New York Knicks. I forget who who is covering that game, but we will have you covered. And then Wednesday night as the Thunder take on the Spurs. And then a nice little break until Sunday. So we will talk to you guys soon. Enjoy Valentine's Day. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> I'm oh, covering oh. it tomorrow. Glad I pulled that up. <laughs> <laughs> until next time and as always